a little bit out of our side, which we have actually already heard this morning, read out, which is wonderful the way that happens. Tenakoto, Tenakoto, Tenakoto Katoa. Koshutus Hill, Toku Maunga, Kautems, Toku Awa. Ko English Channel, Toku Moana, Ko Rerenaki, Toku Waka. Ko Nati Kalaitiana, Toku Iwi. Ko Kingi Fana, Toku Haku. No London Ho, Ko Atautahi, Toku Kainga. Ko Mike, Toku Matua, Ko Ruth, Toku Faya. Ko Leslie, Toku Wahine. Ko Lois, Ko Nathan, Toku Tamariki. Ko Matt, Toku Inua. I still have to read it out, but, um, but I, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm on my own bicultural journey, uh, as, as we say. Hey, I was, uh, I was born in the, the southeast of a place called England. I grew up in a town called London. Uh, I was a child in a church very similar to this, a child um, in a church that actually, when I was about five, became a New Frontiers church. It was a Baptist church that changed to New Frontiers. So my whole life, my whole memory, I've grown up in a situation that is full of grace and is full of the life of God and the Holy Spirit and the, and the Word of God together. I've grown up in, in worship times where it's expected that people are going to share and are going to bring prophecy and are going to bring words of knowledge from God. I, I, I grew up in that. Um, but when I, when I got to my teenagers, things changed for me slightly. I suddenly uh, I, I went to a very tough school in, in, in London. Um, uh, Basically, because I pronounced my T's and I pronounced my words correctly, I was immediately labelled as being a homosexual because that's what boys do in inner city London. I also started to play a musical instrument, which didn't help my cause at all. <laughs> and, uh, and it was that really that, that brought me through a very, a very difficult schooling process. I, I started to play the, the thing called the bassoon, and it turned out I was quite good at it. And it meant that I could go and hide in the music room whilst, whilst people were getting beaten up in the playgrounds. And, 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 it, and it helped me get through that time. But I was, I was actually very good at it. And I don't quite, my dad was a really good singer, but there was, no, there was no necessary musical background in our family. But I ended up getting a place at the Royal Academy of Music in London. And I studied there. And as I was studying there, um, the, the music thing had been going on for a few years, and I kind of drifted away from, from God during that time. You know, I, this thing was something I was very good at, and I was captivated by it, and I went for that. But it was uh, at my time at uh, the academy that friends in the Christian Union started to come around me, and, and they obviously were praying for me. Um, and then God broke in on my life and changed my perspective. I no longer walked around. Uh, through my life thinking it, it, it's all about me I, uh, and, and what I did and the things that I was achieving. But it all became suddenly about what God did, what God was doing and what God wanted to do in the world. And it happened. There was a time called the, you know, you may have heard of a thing called the Toronto Blessing. And this was going on and, and I was such a big sceptic of, of the Holy Spirit moving. Uh, and it was happening in the church, uh, in, in my home church. And, uh, my mum and dad were involved and my sister was involved in it, but I kind of thought, well, this is just nuts, you know? God breaking out, God doing that, people laughing, people being released from things. What is all this? I was hugely cynical about it. So I went back and I was standing at the back of the meeting and, and, and people were laughing and people were, were praising God and people were, were, were meeting with God and I thought, I just don't get this. And my dad came and prayed for me. And... Um, And he just prayed that God would reveal himself to me. 
moment, my life changed. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit baptized me, brought me, I was, it was like a full immersion of the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism means, a full immersion. Suddenly, all those things that I'd learned as a child, it was like, it was going from, in The Wizard of Oz, when it goes from black and white into Technicolor. It was something like, whoa! My life was changed. I could see things clearly. I, the, the truth of God that had been planted like a seed in my heart suddenly became real to me. And I remember sitting down at what you often do in, in the UK. You sit down and have Sunday lunch after, after, your, after the morning meeting. And so I was sitting down with my family eating my roast beef. And I just, it was like, I was completely undone. And I started thinking, I have to respond to this. My life has to change. <laughs> I, I can't go on as I, as I was. God must be my focus now because he is, the, the reality of that moment has stayed with me since that time. The knowledge of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God being in me uh, has been with me since that time. And it changed me completely. I moved down to a town called Brighton on the south coast of the UK and started to be involved with the worship team there, which was quite a big worship team. I met my wife there. Um, and whilst we were there, we, we felt the call of God to come to New Zealand. We both went away. Uh, I was walking in, in the South Downs and I felt God say, move to New Zealand. And I went and said to my wife, I think God's saying move to New Zealand. And she said, I think he said that to me as well. And so we, we kind of came. Uh, we just went. That's what you do. That's what people do when they hear God. They go. It's the, the only thing you can do. Um, and, we, and we ended up in Christchurch. Our children were born in Christchurch. Our Tamariki, Nathan and Lois, wonderful, wonderful children, a blessing to us. And then earthquakes happened. <laughs> yeah. And I remember sitting outside of my house as the walls were, were doing this in one of the aftershocks, thinking, God, is this really what you have for us? As the, as the, the trauma hit, as the, the whole town went through the trauma of this. And I myself have been through that trauma, and still that trauma remains with me, the scars of it remain with me, and I say, God, you know, is this really what you have for us? But he didn't say move on, he didn't say go to Aussie, or he, he said, there was nothing, I was just like, no, you're here, so, so we stayed, and, we, and, and I worked in the council, I worked, before we moved to New Zealand, I worked in the police, and I worked in the council in New Zealand, and throughout the earthquake, so as they were just happening, I would remember the whole thing was a red zone and I would walk through with some of my colleagues assessing the buildings and there were times when these buildings were either side of us and I thought, if, if another big one comes down, I don't know where to go. Uh, and and the, the trauma of those sorts of things just kind of lives with you. Um, and God brings you through those things as well and uses it for his glory. Two years ago, I, I got a phone call from um, Ken and Bob um, two of the elders in the church, and they said, we want to come and see you. And I thought, well, I've either done something really bad, or they're going to ask me to do something. Um, and they, they came around, and they, said, and they said, Matt, can you be on the eldership team? And I was like, okay, yeah, anything to serve. And I said, and can we pay you to do that? And it was, you know, it was an amazing privilege. You know, I've been living in that amazing place of uh, uh, privilege for the last couple of years. And, and it's just a wonderful privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, me, just a, a, a little boy from the southeast of, of, of England. Here I am in the capital city of this great nation of New Zealand, our nation. So this morning I want to talk to you about the dawn 
of hope. And if you've got a Bible with you, you might just want to turn to Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. Someone might already have that open this morning. Was that Lawrence or Is that? It's funny how that happens, isn't it? And the, I, the dawn of hope, I don't want you to think that in some way that I'm confusing this with the new Star Wars movie that's coming out. Or perhaps the Superman versus Batman movie, which I had the misfortune of watching last week. That's the dawn of justice. So I'm talking about the dawn of hope. And we're just going to read uh, in Isaiah together. I've never used one of these before, so this is like me on a PlayStation, okay? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's a, funny, um, it's a funny thing, expectations. The expectations that people have. Um, the expectations that the, the Jewish people might have had as they read this, some 700 years before the birth of Christ. Uh, I want to ask you what, about what your expectations of Jesus are this morning. My first question is, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> no, what do you want for Christmas? Sleep. <laughs> I can't guarantee you're going to get that. <laughs> Sally, what would you, what do you want for Christmas? Um, a for a pasta machine. A what? Pasta machine. A pasta, a pasta machine. <laughs> you might, you might, you might, you might get that. Are you all a naughty or? Sorry, I don't know your name. Carol, Carol. What would you like for Christmas, Carol? Just to be with family. Wonderful things. You know, when I was a boy, probably about the age of six or seven, I really wanted to scale extras. You know, it's one of those things where you build a track and you, you race the cars around the track. I really wanted it. I really wanted a real scale extras. And the you know, Christmas day came and the presents were there and I saw this box. I thought, whoa, whoa, here we go. We come to my scale extras. And I opened it and it was a Mickey Mouse version. <laughs> It was Mickey Mouse and Goofy racing each other on the <laughs> And you know, I knew that I knew that my mum got all the proper scale electrics and so I just went, oh that's really good. And you know, started playing with it and because it was a cheap one, it broke within about 30 seconds. <laughs> As you go, you know, you, you go through life sometimes dealing with great expectations 
and great disappointments. And the people who would have, who would have been uh, reading this originally, some 700 years before Jesus was born, yeah, that, these were people who understood it was in their, their culture and their DNA. They'd, they'd been oppressed in Egypt and they'd been delivered from Egypt. They were now facing the threat of the Assyrian Empire coming from the north, uh, kind of hanging over them, a, a sense that they could be taken away and all the things that they'd loved and cherished could be ripped away from them. And in the middle of this, in the middle of this, you get this, this great prophetic word that comes and says, for, us a, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, and the Assyrians came and they took Jerusalem. Later the Babylonians came and they completely took Jerusalem. They took the people away. They took them into exile. And then as they were reading it, in, in, and they would have had Isaiah in the synagogues around the time of Jesus. Um, when he was being born, they'd have been reading this under the oppression of the Roman Empire, uh, which would have basically keeping keeping Jerusalem as a solid place. They had to keep order there because that was their breadbasket. That was where their food came from, right? where all the trade routes went through. So they were keeping they were keeping the, the nation of Israel under oppression, making sure that anyone who rose up would be beaten down, making sure that that um, that their their supply lines were kept going and the people were kept. In order, and the people would have been reading this, thinking, "Where's, where's our great deliverer? Where's this one? For unto us a, a child is born. For unto us a son, and the government will be upon his shoulder. It'll be mighty. It's going to be mighty." And in the context, you can understand why they might have missed the point, because the the context of that passage, there's there's all this talk of war and, and taking back and the, the plunder of of warriors in battle. And so you can understand why when they, they read that passage and they read, for unto us a child is born, they think, here comes the great king, the great Davidic saviour, the, the, the one in the line of David, the, the great king who was the one who really showed us what it was to have, to have a, a kingdom uh, that, was, that was powerful. They were looking for Jerusalem to be the centre of a great kingdom, a commonwealth kingdom, which would bless the nations. They, they were looking for a warrior king. Someone to deliver them from Roman oppression. They didn't quite get what they were expecting. So what are your expectations of Jesus this morning? Do you expect health and wealth? Do you expect some kind of religious satisfaction from coming on a Sunday morning, uh, meeting up to celebrate? Do you expect to be released from the oppression of the past? Do you, ex do you come here longing for a spouse or longing for children? Do you want a great career and great fulfilment? And are you looking for Jesus to provide all that for you? You know, he may not be quite what you expect. Anyone know who this is? You're hitting me. Oh, there's some, there's some You're much better people in Christchurch. The people in Christchurch had no idea who this was. Um, so, can someone just shout it out, please? Yehudi Menuhin. Yehudi Menuhin, for those of a younger generation uh, holds the longest recording contract in the history of the recording industry. He was a classical violinist, uh, a, a Jewish, a Jewish guy. Um, a great, a great. Um, he, he was brilliant with young musicians. He was just an outstanding musician of his age. Um, I had the privilege once. I got a phone call once to when I was a musician in London. Um, to he was conducting. Yehudi Menuhin was going to be conducting a concert. Um, and I got a phone call, can you come and play in the orchestra? And of course, 
you don't turn down an opportunity like that as a young person. Uh, especially because at the time, uh, as a young person, he, he was still famous at that point. Even, you don't even know who he is, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you turn up, and, and we all sat down, but there's this anticipation, this buzz of anticipation. You, world famous musician is going to come in and then he walked and we all sat there waiting and he stood up and he was conducting and, and there's certain things you expect from a conductor, you expect them to tell you where the first beat of the bar is normally. He did none of that. He just walked in and he went right, off we go, Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony and he went <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and, we, and all of us kind of, we were in the orchestra were like, all oh, right, <laughs> so he can't conduct. <laughs> He's not going to ever tell us when the beats of the bar are. He's just going to kind of... You see, he wasn't the greatest technical conductor in the world, but my goodness, <coughs> could he communicate beauty and tension in the music and bring the phrasing of a piece of music out and just paint the whole picture of the symphony. It was an incredible experience. It taught us all how to play together as an orchestra much more to be tighter together, but it also taught us that there was more beyond just the dots on the page. There was a, a whole world of beauty and a whole world of, uh, of tension, as I said, as the, as the suspensions in the music come and the resolutions of those things come. But he just breathed it out as he danced around on the podium. It, yeah, it was funny. It was educational. You see, just in case you want to Google it later. <laughs> the, thing with, the thing is, and the point I'm trying to make here is, as Jesus come into, comes into your life, he's never what you're expecting. He never does things the way you want them done. He does things the way he is going to do things. Yeah. <laughs> he is God. Yeah. He comes in and he does things in a way that is far more beautiful, far more perfect, than we could ever imagine. Yeah. The people were expecting a great king. What they got was a, was a tiny child, born in a little, a little dirty stable. They were expecting an almighty God, and what they got was a carpenter. They were expecting a great deliverer, a mighty battling warrior. And what they got was a boy who grew up to be a man who said, when someone hits you, turn the other cheek. He's never quite what you expect. I love singing Christmas carols. Okay? There's, there's one, you know, sometimes you go through life, you have certain favourites. Harper Herald Angels might be your favourite, you know, amazing, amazing uh, truth in that. But there's one that's really kind of struck me in, in the last few years, and, and it's, um, it's the one, you know, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining, and there's a line in there that talks about the thrill of hope. Yes. And every time I hear that at the moment, at this time of my life, it kind of strikes me. It's like the thrill of hope a weary world rejoices. <laughs> and as we've read this passage this morning, this run to us, a child is born, and we remember at this time of year the, 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 the incarnation where God becomes flesh, is clothed in human flesh as a tiny, delicate, little baby. It's at that moment that the thrill of hope dawns on all of mankind. 
I myself remember what it was to suddenly meet the Holy God and to, be, to, to know the privilege of the baptism of the Spirit when suddenly He was living in me. And that thrill of hope at that moment as I wearied my way through life thinking it was all about what I could do and what I could get, suddenly it became, well, no, actually, He's in control of my life. Yeah. And that thrill of hope at that moment that you can let go of that stuff and, and let God be the king of your world. The thrill of hope. And here's the hope that we have. He's, he's a wonderful counsellor. That's what it says in that, in that passage. Do you, do you know where to go? Are you struggling with direction? Are you struggling with, with sin in your life? Are you struggling to, to know what the next way to turn is or, or what your future holds? You know, he's the wonderful counsellor. He's the one who can come in and help you through life. You know, even through in our individualistic age, when we think that we know what we what we're in charge of what we do, he can come in and he can show you mercifully and beautifully what it is to walk in the ways of God and to know fulfillment and wholeness. He's a mighty God, full of power. He is power. He is full of strength. He's a sovereign sustainer of all the universe, uh, which is something that runs beyond anything we could possibly conceive of. Have you ever tried looking at the stars at night and conceiving how immense it is? And that's only the things that we can see in our galaxy. And there are millions and millions of galaxies, countless galaxies. He holds it all together. He's a mighty God and he rules over every earthly governance. He's the one who is he knows the secrets of the stars, the secrets of the depths of the sea. And he rules over all earthly governments. And we need to remember that as we live in a country where uh, when the last Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, was signed in, there was no Bible present. There was no so help me God present. In a country that is, it seems, bent on rejecting at a governance level the things of God, He's ruling over that. He's working everything out in accordance with his will through that. And he will bring all men, all women, all children to that point and that final day where their knees will bow. The government of this country will bow before him. Whether they like it or not, they will bow. He is the everlasting Father. Now, now, this is a difficult concept for some because so often in our society, fathers are vilified because they let people down and they, there's abuse around them. Just, you know, in, in the days of when this was written, a father was, like in a patriarchal society, was the one who brought protection and brought care and, uh, and, and brought um, uh, the money, whatever the monetary currency was, sheep or whatever, you know, they would guard those things and govern over those things and bring and bring um, protection and life to a family. That was the, the role of the father. And when we say everlasting father, here's a father who will stay with us forever. Even that was said this morning. You know, he's a father who loves us. Uh, Jesus referred to him as other father. Kind of like a sense of, of respect and of, and of love and of awe that, that, that there is over the, 
the Father. He's close. He's not distant. He's close. And this is the, the everlasting Father that we are referring to when we talk about unto us a child is born. He's going to be this, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the one who forever will keep us in his love. How beautiful is that? What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to him. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. So beautiful. So beautiful. He's the Prince of Peace for this world that is torn apart. Torn apart. By war, by terror. He is the hope for peace in the world. He's the one who brings peace into our hearts, into our lives, in trials and difficulties. He's the one who brings peace to our souls. He's the one who brings peace to cultures that clash. He's the one who, as we gather together, as his people from every tribe, tongue and nation, takes all of the good things from all of those cultures and almost like brings his power and his goodness and completes all those things into this beautiful thing which is the kingdom of God where all of us can come together and rejoice in the differences that we have and the beautiful things that there are in that. It's so wonderful to come here and sing and sing Maori and sing English and have people from Africa leading worship. It's such a wonderful thing. It thrills my heart because it's a picture of what we're going to see in the last days when Jesus returns. Thrill of hope this morning as we respond to this. I want to just, uh, you know, as a, behold your King. There's, a, there's an element of this as we, if you don't know Jesus this morning, there's some things that really are difficult barriers to get over in our society. And one is that you've got to bow before Him. You've got to repent of the things that you've held up, which have taken His place. He needs, you need to worship Him to honour him with your life. Behold your king. There's another line in that, in that great hymn that says, behold your king, bend before him. Um, we don't like that in our Western individualistic society, the way we run. We don't like the concept of actually I need to bend before, I need to bow before the great king of the universe. We get complete wallies in our society who say things like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this or that. As if they're going to be able to stand before the glory of the Almighty God. I just don't understand it. Behold your kin. Are you prepared to turn from things this morning? Whether that's your family that you've put before God, whether it's your career that you've put before God, whether it's the things that you look at on the internet that you put before God, those things that we idolise and do spend our time and our minds get captivated by. Be captivated by him and him alone. Yeah. Bow before him. Hang out with Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Now what does that mean? A few chapters before we've been in chapter 9 it talks about Jesus being Emmanuel which means God with us. 
us. And I just want to bring a bit of challenge to some of our hearts this morning. So it's really easy to go through this life, go throughout society, knowing things about God, knowing things about Jesus, but not actually knowing him. And the reason why he's called Emmanuel is because he is God with us. And we can know what it is to walk and be with the living God, just as Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God and were able to communicate with him through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We can now know what it is to walk in unity with our God, with Emmanuel. You can hang out with the God of the universe. And that's not a sense of me being glib. I just I want to take you away from feeling like it's just something we're just going to high five the, the King of Heaven. It's a place where we come to Him and we can know Him and we can know His love and we can love Him and we can be with Him. It's a beautiful thing. Hang out with Emmanuel, the thrill of hope. Let that thrill your heart at this Christmas time. Come and meet your eternal hope this morning. Well, what is our eternal hope? I just want to as we draw to a close, I just want to read to you from the book of Revelation, uh, a passage which talks about the things that, this is, this is the hope that we have as Christians walking through this world, uh, bought for us by the Prince of Peace, the White Counselor, the Mighty God. It says this, um, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Um, that might seem something that maybe I should have edited out those last couple of verses, but the truth is, as we come before a God that we must bow before, that we must remember that. And if you don't know the living God today, if you have never experienced the thrill of hope in your life, let those last couple of verses just, just sit in your head. We come before an amazing God. Can the band just come up? Just want to responds to the, the thrill of hope which we've been reminded of this morning through what was uh, read out in scripture during the meeting, through what was prophesied during the meeting and through what I shared with you this morning. There's a, an opportunity to come to the King of the Universe and know a thrill of hope, a new hope in your heart this morning. If you've never experienced 
that before. We're going to sing. And then as the meeting closes, I just want to encourage you to maybe get, you can come and speak to me afterwards or, or speak to someone who's in the leadership team or someone who brought you today, someone you can come with. Just ask them to just explain to you the hope that there is, the, the thrill of hope that you can have in your heart, especially at this time of year as we remind ourselves in our great Christian tradition of the incarnation. Christ with us. God with us. Amen. Amen.